Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. set us free today. I want to talk about something that most of the time church people don't like to hear, and so I'm not going to tell you what the word is until a little bit later because I learned that um, if you lose people in the introduction, they don't pay attention the rest of the time. So I'm I'm going to tease that up. But I want to start by saying this. In prayer this week, I was I was in prayer, and I just began to ask God. We've been um, had an amazing prayer this week. And, and I said, why is it that we, after we realize our great need for God, how we can't do anything without Him, how much He loves us, the great love that He has for us, we begin this beautiful, amazing, life-changing, world-changing relationship with Him. And almost immediately, we turn to ourselves to figure out how to walk that out. Almost immediately, instead of keeping our eyes focused on Him, we begin to focus on all the things in our life that are wrong, that we feel condemned over, that we know isn't right, and we know we can't be in sin. We, we know that. But I'm saying, why do I focus? I have an experience with God. And the next thing that comes out of my mouth is I go home and I start to count and write down all the things that I need to quit now. Instead of all the things that God's about to do in my life. We, and that's why the Bible says that Satan comes quickly to get that, to snatch that word up. Because he comes with things that sound right. He starts, he comes and starts telling us, well, you know, you need to quit this. You need to quit that. You can't look at that anymore. You can't do these things. You better, you better end this relationship over here. You better do all these things. And we get tricked into a mindset where I feel like I have to do all these things so that I can continue to earn God's acceptance when I didn't earn His acceptance to begin with when I got saved. I can't get up from the altar and earn His acceptance. The altar was just my first place of realizing I can't do anything without God. Nothing. And when I get up, I still can't do anything without God, but at least I'm connected with Him so He can do something if He wants to. Amen? Because we do this, though, because we turn, and this is the enemy's trick on us, is we fail. Because I begin to look at all the things I have to do and all the things I can't do and all the things that I really want to do but I'm not supposed to do. And the very next thing that goes through my mind is, I can't do this. There's no way. There's no way that I can do this. And I try. And I fail. And I try and I fail. And I've tried and I failed a few times. And I've decided it doesn't work. doesn't work. I can't. 
it worked for this person over here. It worked for this one over here. I see it working in my friend's life. I've watched him change, but it just doesn't work for me. Something's wrong with me. I'm too broken, too messed up. But the problem is that I'm, I am too broken to fix me. Me, we were talking about this yesterday at prayer. I heard a preacher say self-help books was the funniest thing they ever saw because how I'm going to help myself. Myself got me here to begin with. How I'm going to help myself. No. I can't help myself, but when I begin to focus on me and all the things that I know I'm supposed to do, why do I even know I'm supposed to do all those things? Because some church person told me in the past, better quit that. Well, you know you can't be doing that. You know that's not right. You need to quit all those things. A church person told me. But did the Holy Ghost tell me? Because when the Holy Ghost tells me, I am empowered to do it. But I'm not empowered to do it under the law that somebody put on me. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. Starting in verse 22. It says, we, most of us know the story. It's Peter walking on the water. It says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him unto the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening came, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., middle of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. And straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered unto him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O oh, you of little faith, why, why, wherefore did you doubt? And when they came into the ship, the wind ceased, and they were all in the ship, and they worshipped him, saying, Of truth, you are the Son of God. Jesus gave Peter a commandment in the middle of Peter's mess, his mess. His life was a storm that was raging around him. And Jesus said, come. Do you know that all the power that Peter needed to go all the way to Jesus was in that one word, come. One word. He spoke one word. And Peter was filled with enough authority to walk across any piece of water, to slap down any wave, to stop any wind, to do whatever he had to do to get to Jesus. Because Jesus had said, come. But he began to focus on himself and his own ability. And he focused on the storm that was raging around him. And he was focused on all the things that were wrong in his life that were going on around him. And he said, you know what? I can't. There's, there's a storm, there's winds, there's waves. I'm probably going to sink. And I know the next thought that went through his mind was, what do I even think I am walking on the water? Humans cannot walk on water. 
No. And so, bloop, he was done. Had to cry out to Jesus to come save him again. Jesus picked him right back up onto the water, though, into the place that he called him to be. But we do the same thing as Peter. Jesus says, come. Just come. Just come. That's what he says. And we begin to go home and think about, I gave my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. But look at all these. I can't. I can't do this. I can't. There's nothing in me that can do. I can't be Pastor Sativa. I can't be Pastor Angie. I can't be Brooke. I can't be Elder Bivens. I can't be any of these people. I can't do what they do. I can't be Sister Monica. I can't be Elder Barbara. I can't be any of these people that I look up at and I see God work for the, on their life, but something must be different about them. I can't do it. I know me, and I know that I can't do it. But we just like Peter, we begin to focus on all the stuff all the stuff that's around me. Instead of on the one word that Jesus spoke, and Jesus spoke, come. And in that one word was all the power that you need to come. And when you get, and if the, and if the storm gets a little bit rougher, temptation gets a little bit stronger, my want to dies down a little bit, inside that word is all that you need to pull from inside of what God, of that one word that God deposited in you. When he deposited that word, when he drew you to him the, the very first time, come, come. That was all that you needed. That was all that Peter needed was come. Because if Jesus said come, you can come. If Jesus said water, go away, Water's going away. If Jesus said the sky is green, I'm going to go outside and find the sky green. Jesus said, come. I am not anybody to say something different. To G- If Jesus said, come, then come. I remember an old song that we sing all the time. Jesus said, I am, then I am. We overcomplicate things, but if Jesus said, I am, I am. I am. Amen. We get all wrapped up in the same thing Peter got wrapped up in. We get in the anointing. We hear the word of God. We get really excited. We jump out on that water to walk. And then we get home, and we don't know if we can make it all the way to Jesus anymore. I don't know if I can make this walk happen, but I can't make this walk happen. We begin to think I'm, I'm failing. It's not good enough. We start looking at sin. We start looking at waves. We start looking at things in our life that somebody told us because the Holy Ghost didn't tell us or we would have done quit. Somebody told us we shouldn't be doing. Put law on us. And I begin to think about law and I begin to think about all the things that a good Christian is supposed to be. And I decided to begin to plan out in my own mind. Okay, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be at prayer all day on Thursday because they fast and pray all day. And if I want to be a good Christian, I'm supposed to fast and pray for 12 hours, I guess, because I see other people doing it. Nobody put a law on you. Nobody. Jesus didn't put a law on you. As a matter of fact, he came to set you free from the law. And so the church cannot put law on you. Listen, listen. There is no sin. There is no struggle. There is no lack in your life that is not fixed by one thing. Passion and fire of God in your life. That's it. We begin to put on, we begin to get this idea of, of, of the holiness that God, and God has called us to be holy. 
He has called us to holiness. But not law, not holiness under the law, holiness under the spirit. That's why he said, but it's through the spirit of life. There's no condemnation. You've been made perfect through the spirit of life of Jesus Christ. Not through the law of sin and death. The law is sin and death. There's no rule, there's no willpower that you have that's going to get you right with God. But there is only, if I can fall more in love with Jesus tomorrow than I am today, then tomorrow I'm going to be holier than I am today. If I can be more passionate about Jesus, if I can just know him a little bit more so I can find another thing to fall in love with him about all over again today that I didn't know yesterday, that I'm going to be holier today than I was yesterday. The righteousness of all the law, the Bible tells us, is fulfilled in that, in the spirit of life of Jesus Christ. Amen? I am made righteous because of my love for him, because I want to lay down my life to know him more. I'm not made righteous through making up my own mind. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us it's impossible for me to be righteous with God because I made up my mind to do it. It is impossible. It doesn't matter how much willpower we have. It doesn't matter how much we try or how much we try to fix ourselves. It is impossible. In Romans chapter 7, we're going to read a few scriptures starting in verse 7. We'll skip around a little bit. Paul says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? No. God forbid. I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law has said, you shall not covet. But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of, of concupiscence, which is a big word for sin. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. How many of y'all, oh, y'all know, you don't have to raise your hand, have at some point in your life been so on fire for God and a church person, a well-meaning church person, I'm sure, but a church person came along and said, well, you know you need to quit this. And what are you doing? You got saved. You're not supposed to be acting like that. And it made you want to quit. It did not work righteousness in you. It actually worked death in you. Paul said that I hadn't, you know, that lust had never even entered into my mind until somebody said, you can't lust and covet. And then the sin that was inside of me that I hadn't dealt with yet, that the Holy Ghost had not dealt with yet because I can't do anything with it, grabbed a hold of that law and then began to work death and sin in me when I would have been better off if you had kept your mouth shut. He says, for the law without sin was dead. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived in me and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it, it killed me. And this is where he goes on and he says, for next several scriptures, Basically, the things I've always find myself in this situation, the things I want to do or the things I don't do, and the things that I don't do or the things I want to, or I don't want to do, or things I do or the things I don't want to do. Can't ever do what I want to do. He says, and then verse 21, he says, I find in a law which, when I would do good, evil is present in me. For I delight in the law of God in my heart, but I see another law in my members that wars against the law in my mind and brings me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? How many of us have said, when we've tried to be saved, trying, 
trying. I am trying, and I'm and I'm hearing more about God, and and I'm thinking this is making it. Why do I, I learn more about God, and I feel worse? Somebody teaches me something else about God, and I seem to be worse than I was before. I won't sin more than I wanted it before. And we end up in the same place that Paul's in here. That's why we're in good company, because we were there with Paul, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If it were for him, it'll work for me. And he said, oh, my God, I'm looking at myself, and I'm saying nothing is working. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can even set me free? How can I even be free? Who's going to deliver me from the death that my body just keeps dragging me back into? If the law can't, I come to church and they tell me how to live and I try to do it right. I try to do it over and over and I keep trying with all of my heart because my heart wants God and I keep trying to live up to those expectations and I keep trying to live up to what everybody else has put on me. I keep trying to live up to it and I just find myself in the same situation over and over and I'm crying out saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who is going to set me free from the law, from the law of sin, from this body of death? And in verse 1 of the next chapter, chapter 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. In verse 8, he goes on to say that if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. We try to work all this stuff out in our mind. And I'm going to lose, he said, if I'm in the flesh. I'm guaranteed one thing and one thing only, and that is that I will not please God. But if I'm in the Spirit, I am guaranteed one thing and one thing only, and that is that I will please God. Because if I am spiritually minded, it's life and peace. Spiritually, if I'm spiritual, if I get in the Spirit, and all I do, and how do we get in the Spirit? I forget about the waves. I forget about the storm. I forget about the hell that's waiting on me when I leave these four walls. And I focus on Jesus who's standing there and he's saying one word to me and that is come. I have all the power in the world to come to Jesus when he is saying come. You know, I have all the power in the world to work holiness inside of me when I come to him, when I listen to him, and when I fall more in love with him every single day. Because that love is going to push out. That love is going to push out everything that doesn't need to be there. Because how many of us know? Now, we've, we've, we've been up and down, I'm sure, but how many of us know that in the times when we were on fire for God, when he was all that we thought about, I woke up in the morning and I wanted to be on fire for him. When I went to bed, I went to bed speaking in tongues at night. I, all I thought about was reading the Bible. I wanted to get to church every time the doors were open. That's why we have something almost every night of the week now, because we need to come. If we got fire in us, it needs to be stoked a little bit. When I want it, no fires going out at Freedom Ministries. No fires going out at Freedom Ministries. Amen. So we gotta we gotta keep that fire going. And how many of us when we were on fire, we didn't have a problem not looking at porn on the internet. Now I know people don't like me to say stuff like that in church, but I'll quote Pastor Pinson and when she somebody didn't like what she said, and that is if y'all don't like it, stop doing it. We didn't have a problem not turning to alcohol. We didn't have a problem not turning to drugs, and we're on fire for him. It's when that fire begins to go out a little bit, normally by some well-meaning church person putting some law on us, sometimes just because the care, we, we, we strayed too far away from the flame, and we, and we lost a little bit, died down a little bit. 
But whatever the reason was, if I'm on fire for God, I don't have a problem being holy. We begin to look at all these things that somebody told me isn't right yet. And I begin to look at all these things that I need to fix. But my focus should be on Jesus, on loving Jesus. I want to know you more today than I knew yesterday, and I want to know you more tomorrow than whatever you show me about yourself today, God. I want more of you. And when I'm that in love with him, do you know my mind doesn't even go to those things? If it goes to them, it's easy. It's easy to say no because I'm on fire. It's not easy when I'm not on fire, but we just get on fire. We just get on fire. We, um, it's easy. You, what you do is we get around other folks that are on fire. Until I tried to start a fire last night. Michelle makes fun of my fire building um, proficiency. I don't have fire building skills. I get those little starter logs. Last night it took me two starter logs. I had to go slip another one in there when nobody was looking. Because... It started, but all that would happen with my wood was it just smoked. It just made a lot of smoke, and it had some embers on it, but there was no flame to it. And so I said, well, that's not good enough. I can't roast the, can't roast the marshmallow on some smoke. I got to have a flame. So what did I do? I, I went and I got me another starter log, and I went and got one of those butane blowtorches, you know, and I'm, we're going to have fire. We're going to have some fire before we leave here tonight. Love them things. I don't, I don't play with no matches. They don't work for me. I have to go get the real thing. Something really hot. I don't know why I didn't catch on fire, but I don't know why sometimes, sometimes it just takes, we just got to try a little bit harder. It takes persistence. I'm going to keep fanning the flame. I'm going to keep sticking something, sticking myself as close to the fire. The hotter the fire, the better. The, as close to it as I can get until I catch on fire myself. And then I'm going to stay real close to it. I'm going to stay real close to it. Amen. So our problem, this was the word I wouldn't say earlier, is that we really don't have a clear understanding of how to submit to God. We don't like the word submission in church. Because we feel like somebody's trying to control us. That's what we feel like. And I don't want to be controlled. Everybody's just telling me to submit. But if I was 100% submitted to the word of Jesus when it came forth, come. 100% submitted. That means that I don't let anything. Jesus said, come. I am coming. I am coming. Come hell or high water, literally, I am coming. I'm coming to Jesus. Because he said, come, that means I can come. I'm 100% submitted. I don't, have, I don't look over here. I don't look over there. I don't look and decide whether it's the right thing or not. I don't have to decide anything because Jesus said, come, and so I come. It's as simple as that, yes. A lot of times we don't, we, we think of submission as somebody wants to put me under them, but submission is not being under. Submission is being lifted up. Submission is not being under control. Submission is being freed. 
if Peter was 100% submitted to the word of Jesus, he didn't trust. See, the problem is he trusted his own mind more than he trusted Jesus when he got about halfway out into the water. So he wasn't 100% submitted. He let a better idea, a different idea, something that made more sense to his mind come up in his mind. And he decided to believe that instead. That's not submitted to Jesus. That's not submitted. Submitted is, okay, that's right. Humans should not walk on water because that is impossible. Okay, that's right. There's storms. There's waves. There's every reason in the world for me to die right now. But Jesus said, come. So I come. I come. There's a wave slapping me. It's all the way up to my waist slapping me right here. Jesus said, come, though. Jesus said, come, I come. I can do it if I am submitted to God. Amen? Peter, had, he just had the one word. He just had the one word, and in it was more than enough to complete the call that was on him. When God calls us, there is more than enough in us. We, and this is, we, we, we're there with Peter. Um, we feel the call of God. We feel his spirit pulling us. We, we feel that desire inside of us to just let go, to go wild for Jesus. Hallelujah. And we begin to listen to another voice that says, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You can't. You can't. You can't. I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's not going to work. I'm afraid I'm going to fall. Submission, though, is focusing only on that voice. And here's the thing, too. Let me read a scripture so we can really understand submission. Because a lot of times when we talk about submission to, a, to the authority, too, is when we really start to think it's control. Nobody wants to control you. Listen to this. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service only as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he that does wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done. There is no respect of persons. Our authority, my pastor, um, our, our leaders, are a covering for us. They're not a muzzle. You know, they're not, they're not a control. They are a covering. So that when, when something comes up that maybe I'm not ready to handle, because how many of us not ready to handle everything that comes against us? Amen? Not ready to handle everything. I, I can think real highly of myself sometimes, but I know I'm not ready to handle everything. I have a covering who can cover. That's why we submit under authority. And he says that we don't do it like it's to a man. He says, I don't even do it indeed only, is what he's saying there, not just with eye service. Submission is not indeed. It's in our heart, with our whole heart, holding nothing back, or it's not submission. We can say all the time, I submit to God, I submit to God, I submit to God. Hmm. It's not submission if I hold anything back. If I reserve anything for myself. It's not submission to just do it and not do it with my whole heart. It got quiet. 
That's all right. That's why I live with something funny. More fun. Submission to authority is submission to God. Because God has placed the authority up. And he said, I'm not a respecter of persons. If your authority is telling you to do something wrong, I'm going to handle them. He says it right here. He says, but he that does wrong is going to receive for the wrong that's going to be done. But if you do wrong by not, not honoring your authority, you're going to receive for the wrong. It doesn't matter if you think you were right. <clears throat> that's why the centurion shows us, I don't have authority unless I'm under authority. But if I am under authority, I have all the authority that my authority has. If my authority is also under an authority... My authority has all the authority that they have, so I have all the authority that my authority has and all the authorities above my authority. I have all authority when I am submitted under authority. And so if, my, if, if somebody over us says something wrong, because we're not perfect, you know, we're people. If somebody says something wrong, has a, makes a little funny face at you because you said something, whatever. We submit. We submit. And we allow God to deal with that. We allow God to deal with it. And we allow God to deal with us because there's probably something in me that's, that's making me not want to submit. Amen? So, the answer, the answer is submission. If Peter was 100% submitted to his authority, if my, I'm, so I'll tell you, I was sitting right over here Right, right about where Elder Bivens is sitting right now. When Pastor asked me, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, um, are you ready to come up and be a pastor? I think I may have even done this way with my head, but my mouth said yes. Because my authority had already heard from God. I don't, qu- I don't have to question my authority. Now, I had to go home and... Um, and get, um, get all that fear out of me, <laughs> and get all the other junk out of me. But my authority said this. I say yes to my authority, and it goes well with me because my authority is under an authority. My authority does not take me to a wrong place. I actually can't go to a wrong place when I'm submitted under a godly authority because it doesn't because God covers. He covers if there's something that's not off with it, there's something off with it, there's something that's wrong with it, he covers that. Because I am covered when I'm under authority. I'm covered when I'm submitted. I'm covered in that. And that way I don't get out there in the water in the waves and start looking around and realizing that I can't handle this and I sink and drown which is what Peter would have done if he hadn't called on Jesus. And Jesus been there to pick him back up because he did have a cover and he had an authority. And his authority said to him, come. His authority said, come. Jesus said, come. And when Jesus says, come, when he says, I've called you to be this, I've called you to do this. I put a desire in you. I put a vision in you of who you want to be in God. I put that in you. I've given you all that you need to do it. 
anything that tells us I can't, anything that tells us I'm not good enough, anything that says I'll never be holy enough, I'll never be right enough, I'll never be like these other people that I see, it is a lie. It is not the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God said one thing and one thing only. He said, come, I've called you. I've called you. I've called you. I've called you to holiness. I've called you to right relationship with me. I've called you to walk on water. I've called you to do the impossible. I've called you to freedom. I've called you to deliverance. I've called you to 100% victory 100% of the time. If I've called you to it, you can do it. Hallelujah. We can do it because he called us to it. Hallelujah, Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, right now, if there's anyone, and I know there's many, so I'm not going to say if there's anyone, those of us who are here who are struggling and saying, I don't know if I can really do everything that God has called me to do. I see that he's called me to holiness. I see he's called me to ministry. I see he's called me out of drug addiction. I see he's called me out of pornography addiction. I see he's called me out of a wrong relationship. I see he's called me out of sin, and he's called me into righteousness. I want to invite you to come because you can leave here today knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can be all that God has called you to be. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.